Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. What I want to do today in the sermon is just read some passages with you, and then afterwards let's talk about our disposition toward prophecy. What is our disposition toward? Prophecy is a part of the scripture. And and all scripture is profitable. So what is our disposition toward prophecy? The people of God do not have a good track record. And I know that some would consider me a fear mongerer. I think I've heard the term used, that I'm a fear mongerer. I would hope that you wouldn't think that. I, I tend to think of myself as a faith mongerer. I want people to believe in God's word. But the people of God have had difficulty with God's word. Let's look at Isaiah 30 to begin. Isaiah 30, and we'll begin in verse 1, where this is God's assessment of his children. This is his assessment of his people. Isaiah 30 and verse 1 says, Woe, woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord. So this is a thus says the Lord. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. So, so these are God's people, and they're looking for counsel. They're looking for advice. They just don't want it from God. And that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. Why, why? Why are they seeking counsel and covering, but not from God? That they may add sin to sin. So there is a sinfulness in, in, in the people of God or the community of God. And for that reason, they are rebelling against God. Notice verse 2. That walk to go down into Egypt... So, so God is taking God, his people out of Egypt, and his people want to go into Egypt. That walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth. So they're not looking for counsel from God. They've decided on, uh, of their own that they want to go into Egypt. Uh, by extension or analogy, we would say today, God's people want to participate in the world. They want to be fully engaged with the world. And they're not looking for advice from the scripture. What does the scripture say? They want to be free to participate with Egypt. And have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. And to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Again, by extension, maybe you have a great job. You've got a great career. And that's where your confidence is. And you're putting your trust in the things of this world. And God is taking exception to that, to his children, and saying, we should not be strengthening ourselves in the strength of Pharaoh. Therefore, verse 3, shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame. So that wonderful career that you think you have, it's going to come undone. And you're going to be embarrassed, or I'm going to be embarrassed. Not to say that we shouldn't have great careers, but is that our strength? Or is the word of God our strength? We should be taking advice and counsel from the word of God. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. So God's people are going to be in confusion because they're relying on Pharaoh, they're relying on Egypt, and not on God. Drop down to verse 8. God feels so strongly about this and this pattern among his people that he says in verse 8, Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. So put this in front of my people, and in fact write it in a book. Why? That it may be for the time to come forever and ever. So God is saying, this is a pattern that I see in my people that it's going to be a continuing pattern. So Isaiah, put this in a book, 
so that the people that you're dealing with today can see it in front of their faces, written in, in a book, and people generations later who call themselves my people, they can be condemned by this book as well. So God's own people have this pattern of relying on the world, relying on the strength of Pharaoh, and not on God. And God says, put it in a book. Because I want, I want the condemnation of my people to be in writing. That it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people. Lying children, children, here, here we're getting now to the root of the matter, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And even though we are God's people, we still have this carnal mind. And we want to pursue what is in agreement with our carnal mind, and the law of God is not in agreement. So God's people for generations will have this pattern of being rebellious and not wanting to hear the law of the Lord. It goes further, verse 10. Which say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Instead, speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. So again, the question I'm asking is, what is our disposition to prophecy? And what God's word is saying is, you can tell a person's disposition to the Lord by their disposition to prophecy. Because prophecy reinforces the law of God. Even if the prophecy is difficult, it's reinforcing the law of God. And you had us sing, Brother Gord, Oh, how love I thy law. If we love God's law, then we love prophecy. Because prophecy reinforces the law. And these people here, they call themselves God's people, but they love Egypt. And they hate God's law. And because of that carnal disposition, they say to the seers, don't see. And they say to the prophets, prophesy not. We, if we are, you know, God says, write this in a book so that it may be for our time. A time to come. So in our time, we might not have prophets alive and with us today, but we do have prophetic books. And so the way we would respond to prophecy is, don't preach from those books. Preach from the smooth books. Can't we preach the, from the scriptures that sound nice and make everybody feel good? But don't go to Revelation. That's spooky. Let, let's not go there. If we love God's law, our disposition is, let's read God's law. Because prophecy reinforces the law. Prophesied deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. In, in modern language, we might say, don't prophesy from the difficult prophetic books. Um, we don't want you speaking. Let's get smooth speakers. There's different ways that we can fulfill this. But fundamentally, it's a resistance to prophecy. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel. So, so God has a response to this disposition toward his prophetic word. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word, this word, notice it's the prophetic word. They're saying to the prophets, prophesy not. We despise prophecy. And God is saying, because you despise this prophetic word and trust in oppression and, and Egypt and Pharaoh, that's all oppression. Instead, you're trusting in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon. You like that. You like the ways of the world. You, you don't want the fulfillment of God's kingdom. You're hoping this, this kingdom, the kingdoms of this world will last a little longer. You know, if I could just really finish my career another 20, 30 years, I'll make a lot of money. I don't want the kingdom here now. You want to stay there on. Therefore, verse 13, 
This iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly at an instant. It looks like the wall is resisting the water, but all of a sudden it just breaks. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. So this is now God's wrath. And he shall not spare, so that this breaking will be so thorough, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a sherd or or a pot to take fire from the hearth or to take water withal out of the pit. So in other words, everything will be shattered to such an extent that there'll be, you can't even find a, a piece of broken pottery to scoop up some water. It'll, everything will be useless and completely shattered. This is, this is God's wrath on his people that despise his prophetic word. For thus says the Lord, God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. So, so in returning to God, we will be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. In other words, we don't need to be afraid of prophecy. We should be confident in prophecy. When, when we are reading the prophetic word and, and the wrath of God, we should be quiet and confident. Because we're in alignment with God's will. If God says it, we believe it, we want it. We want what God wants. And this is, this is our salvation. This is our strength. In quietness and in confidence, verse 15, shall be your strength, and you would not. But you said, no, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall you flee. So we, we've, we've got our own way of looking after ourselves. We don't need God. Therefore shall you flee, and will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. So yeah, you might have swift horses, but the people I send after you will have swifter horses. Your safety is with me not with Egypt. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall you flee. You know, there's a scripture that says the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked uh, flee when no man pursues. And, And that's what we're seeing in our nation today. Weakness. Where no one has attacked us, but we're backing up and fleeing. And just in case somebody attacks us, we better not say that, we better not say this. There's no boldness, because God is not a part of this nation anymore. So 1,000 shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall you flee, till you be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain, and as an ensign on a hill. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you, So God has a promise to Israel, has a promise to Judah, and he's gracious. He wants to fulfill his promise. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. God is a God of judgment. And that's what prophecy is about. It's about God's law and God's judgment. God is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. We welcome God's judgment. And if we have sin in our lives, we repent of that sin. We condemn the sin in our lives. We agree with God. And we want his judgment. That's, what, that's, that's the disposition we should have to prophecy. Look now at Revelation. Let's go to the book of Revelation, that scary, scary book that people really don't want anything to do with. Say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not. We don't want the book of Revelation. Too scary. But look how the book of Revelation begins. Let's begin at the very beginning of the book. And I really am hoping, brethren, over the next few weeks and months to spend a lot of time in the book of Revelation. This is a joyous book. This, this is a book of God's victory. But look how the book begins. Revelation 1. And, and maybe ask yourself, when was the last time we had a thorough exegesis of the book of Revelation? 
we should be all over this book. Revelation 1 and verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's his. Which God gave to him. So it comes from God the Father. Well, why should we be unwelcoming to the book of Revelation when it comes from the God our Father and it was, it was God our Father and it was given to Jesus Christ? Why? To show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. The, the Isaiah spoke of confusion, that the, the people who rely on Egypt as their strength, that strength will be their confusion. Egypt has no clue what's happening, what's going to happen tomorrow. God wants us to know. And so he gives this revelation to Jesus Christ so that he can give it to us, his servants, so that we can know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't have to be confused. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, brethren, please read with me very, very carefully this book of Revelation, how it begins, verse 3. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So if I'm a pastor of Jesus Christ and I withhold the book of Revelation from you, isn't it logical to say that I'm withholding blessing? If I, if I bring the book of Revelation to you, isn't it logical to then say I'm bringing blessing upon you? It says, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy. But we say to the prophets, prophesy not. Speak to us smooth things. We don't want to hear what's in the book of Revelation. And yet the scripture says, he that reads and they that hear are blessed. And keep those things which are written therein. So there's something for us to do. As we go through the book of Revelation, we're blessed to hear it, and we're blessed to keep those things which are written there. In other words, there's somebody or an army of somebodies that want to take this from us. So if I as a pastor don't read from this book, I am participating with that army of somebodies that wants to take this from you. We have to stand up against these armies and hold on to what is in this book. We, we should not, it shouldn't be that I say to you, what's in Revelation chapter 5? And you say, I don't know. I haven't read that for so long. Well, what about chapter 6? I, I don't know. It should be such that if I say Revelation 5, it, it's like we know what's there. 6, we know what's there. 7, we know what's there. That's keeping these things. We're not forgetful. And keep those things which are written therein. Why? For the time is at hand. What this is saying, the time is at hand, is that these things which must shortly come to pass, when they happen and as they happen, the people of God should not be confused. If things are happening and the people of God are confused, we're not in God's will. We're not in God's will. It's God's will for us to know what is happening as it happens. Verse 2 says that John bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there's a testimony of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter nine of this, 19 of, of this book, Revelation. Chapter 19, and verse 9, and he said to me, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, so this prophecy 
says we're blessed if we read it, if we hear it, and if we keep what's in it. And then deep into the book it says, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper. So, so there's, there's information in here that helps us get there, to the marriage supper. And he says to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. So John had the testimony of Jesus and his brethren, that's us. We have the testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony of Jesus? He says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if we have the testimony of Jesus, we have the spirit of prophecy. John had it. John had the testimony of Jesus, and he had the spirit of prophecy. There's something wrong, brethren, if we say we are followers of Jesus, and we do not have the spirit of prophecy. There's a disconnect somewhere. Something's wrong. And we need to correct that. Hold this thought, and let's go to Daniel 12. That... At the end time, John's brethren will have the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. Let's now read Daniel 12. Daniel 12 and verse 1. And at that time, speaking of the end time, shall Michael, the archangel, stand up. The great prince which stands for the children of your people. Uh, Daniel was a Jew. The children of his people are Jews. And at the end, Michael's going to stand up to protect the Jews. God has a promise to Judah. He's going to fulfill it, even though Satan wants to obliterate it. Satan wants to obliterate all the Jews so that God cannot fulfill his promise. That's why Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies. And they're going to try to destroy every Jew so that God cannot fulfill his promise. But Michael's going to stand up for the children of Daniel's people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Another scripture says it's even the time of Jacob's trouble, or we should say it's especially the time of Jacob's trouble. That at the end, the focus is now on Jacob. Such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. So this is really the, the wrath of Satan unleashed. And at that time... Your people, Daniel, Jews, shall be delivered. Every Jew that shall be found written in the book. So the scriptures show us, if we read books like Zechariah, they show us that at the end, the Jews will acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they will mourn for him whom they pierced. So they will be Jews that are written in the book of life so that God can fulfill his promise to Judah. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, so now we know that uh, the church is grafted in, or the Gentiles have been grafted into Israel, and now we're looking at the church. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. So coming out of the dust of the earth, people are going to come back to life, some to everlasting life, the first resurrection, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, the third resurrection. So there are some that have come into the church and have failed. So their resurrection is unpleasant. They have failed God. And this is the stark reality. Not everybody who comes into the church is successful. Some are, but some are not. They're resurrected to everlasting contempt. Verse 3. And they that be wise, and we hope and we are striving to be in this category, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament forever and ever. So there are some that are going to come to everlasting life, and we're going to shine as the brightness of the firmament forever. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So there's a turning that's taking place, that God's people are busy, they're turning people from wickedness, they're turning people to righteousness 
with the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is what gets people to say, wow, you have the word. The word predicts what's going to happen. The word explains everything that's happening. I realize I better repent. And they turn from their wickedness. They turn from the deception of Satan. And they turn to righteousness. And we are doing this. We are the ones that are doing this. And God calls this wisdom. That we are wise that do this. Verse 4. And and by the way, verse 3 is unpleasant. Verse 3 is is unpleasant. What we have to read into verse 3. Let me read it this way perhaps. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness in the face of the devil whose wrath has been unleashed. It's a time of trouble such as never has been before. The wickedness of the Gentiles is coming to the full. And there are people who are fearless. Fearless. And they preach the gospel. And they have the spirit of prophecy. And that is wisdom. So this is not just, you know, it's just happy-go-lucky and there I am, shining like the sun. No, this is commitment in the face of opposition. Fierce opposition. But this is faithfulness. Verse 4. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So there's prophetic understanding in Daniel, and Daniel is instructed to shut it up and seal it until the time of the end. I'm going to say, brethren, and and many have said this before me, hundreds of years before me, I believe we're living in the end time. And, And you have to make your own assessment. But I would say, you know, hundreds of years ago, the elements that are in place now were not in place then. I say that we count from today to the end in decades, not in centuries. It is impossible for our world to continue for centuries. We count in decades which means many of us who are alive are going to be alive to see what is in the book of Revelation unfold. And many scoffers are going to see what is in the book of Revelation unfold. And hopefully they repent. But I think they will repent if we are preaching what is in the book of Revelation. Because they need to hear it and say, this is exactly what the preacher was saying. This is what's happening now. But at the end, God promises Daniel that the understanding of the prophetic word that was given to Daniel will be made known to us. That means prior to us, prior to our generation, it was sealed. What that means is, whatever prophetic understanding our forefathers were laboring under, it was probably wrong. They were doing their best with what they had, but it was probably wrong. It's not until all the things that are happening in our day and age begin to occur that God will then open up the book of Daniel. Look at verse 9. And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. God is emphatic about it. He repeats it that this prophetic word is sealed until the time of the end. So I've got to ask you then, brethren, can we afford, well, I guess, first of all, there's a premise that that I'm building this on. And the premise is that between now and the end of the age, we're counting in decades. that's, That's my premise. It's a matter of decades, not centuries. If it's centuries, then maybe the book is still sealed. So I think you have to decide for yourself, between now and the end, are we counting in centuries or perhaps millennia, or are we counting in decades? 
I'm putting forward that we're counting in decades. If we're counting in decades, then the book of Daniel is going to open up to us. Does it make sense to you that we would never touch the book of Daniel? That as we get closer to the end, we're in every book except the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is, is, uh, reinforces what's in the book of Revelation. So as we get closer to the end, we avoid Daniel and we avoid Revelation. Meanwhile, God wants to unseal these books to us. Does that make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me. I think as we get closer now, we need to be digging into these books and understanding them and allowing God to unseal them for us and then using this knowledge to turn many to righteousness, including ourselves. Verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white. So at the end, look at this, brethren. You know, let's put the word of God aside for a moment. If you are an intelligent human being, your prediction of the future is that things are going to get better and better. People are going to get smarter and smarter. Technology is going to get more and more advanced, and the world is going to get safer and safer. And the exact opposite is happening. As time advances, people are becoming insane. There's a spirit of insanity, of drunkenness, all over the world. Intelligent people are really stupid, and the world is becoming increasingly unsafe. This is a very unsafe... The the world that we are passing on to our children is terribly unsafe. And it's getting more so. The world is about to explode. So, your prophecy, as an intellectual, is that things are getting better and better. Daniel's prophecy is, things are getting worse and worse. And the world is in trouble. And in that context, he says... Or God says to him, verse 10, many will be purified and made white. This is a crazy world. People are insane. People are drunk. And God says in this context, as unsafe as this world is, as crazy as this world is, many will be purified. But he said earlier, the wise will be turning many to righteousness. Where is our voice? Where are we on the world scene? We have the word of God. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God. Why isn't our voice heard? It's our voice with the word of God, the testimony of Jesus, that turns many to righteousness. This is the work that we must be doing. Many will be purified and made white. There's there's, there's a, a big repentance that is taking place and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly. So it's going to become painfully obvious to people that the Bible is God's word. They're going to be repenting. And in this context, wicked people are going to be committed to their wickedness. And they're going to continue to do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But notice this, brethren, the wise shall understand. There's an understanding that we will have as the people of God, that as as the wicked are doing wickedly, and the world is getting worse and worse, there's an understanding. We will know exactly what's going on if we are committed to God's prophetic word. God says that I gave it to Jesus, who gave it to my servant John, or to an angel to, to my servant John, so that he could give it to my servants, so that they could know the things that are shortly going to come to pass. The wise will understand. Look at Acts 2, brethren. Just to show how the apostolic church, the early church, treated prophecy. Acts 2, verse 14, this is on the day of Pentecost, verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven, 
lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea, and all of you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. So Peter spoke with authority, and he spoke with the authority of God's word. Now, the people of God were being accused of being drunken, and Peter says, For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Verse 16. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. We need to be able to be like Peter. When things happen on the world scene, the wise who understand should be able to say, this is not what you think it is, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Daniel. This is that which was spoken of by the apostle John. This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Zechariah. We should be so well versed with the prophecies that as things happen on the world scene and and people are confused, we should be able to correct the confusion and say, no, this is that which was spoken of by this prophet. That's the role that we should be playing. And he quotes then Joel's prophecy, verse 17, that it shall come to pass in the last days. So he is well-versed in the eschatological unpacking of God's word. And he's able to bring that to the people and bring the people to repentance. Excuse me. Now, I think the trouble that we as God's people have with the prophetic word is a lot of it is unpleasant. A lot of it is unpleasant. You read Revelation and it's, you know, from one chapter to the next, more and more people are getting slaughtered. So there's a lot of unpleasantness. So how should we engage the prophecies? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So the intellects want us to believe the world is getting safer. The book of Revelation says, not so. As we go into the future, the world is going to become more and more unsafe, and more and more people are going to be killed. So as things unfold, we need to be saying, this is that. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, Paul is speaking to Timothy. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Notice, brethren, the emphasis is on judgment. Jesus Christ is coming to judge the world. And people, people think that, that you know, Jesus Christ is this baby that was born in a manger. No, he's coming to judge the world. And he's coming with a sword. So I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. If you understand who Christ is, verse 2, preach the word. Don't apologize for it. Preach it. Be instant. In season, out of season. So you know the word so well, you can be instant. As soon as something happens and people start with their confusing commentary, you can say, no, 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 no. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah or by the prophet Joel. Be instant. To be instant, you have to know the word. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. God's people, God says, write it in a book to Isaiah that this is a rebellious people. We don't want to hear God's word. We want to hear smooth things. Preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort, but do it with long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So we see the very thing that Isaiah was told to put in a book. 
that God's people want to have things their way, not God's way. And because they want to have things their way, they want to have their own teachers that teach smooth things, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. So the truth is going to become offensive. The world doesn't want to hear the truth. This is saying God's people don't want to hear it either. But the instruction to Timothy is, you preach the truth and don't apologize for it. But after their own lust, verse 3, shall they heap to themselves teachers, so they're going to pick their own teachers that will not preach the prophecies that are difficult, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. So when you start to lose the prophetic framework, then you can begin to introduce error, and before you know it, you're embracing fables. But you watch in all things, endure afflictions, because you will get it when you preach the truth. Truth and affliction go together. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. What's the result of doing the work of an evangelist? So, Timothy, you're up and coming. Paul is the mentor. What happened to Paul? Verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. So, again, the the, uh, book of Revelation tells us we're blessed if we keep those things that are written therein. Paul is showing us we have to fight. To keep it. Satan wants to take it away from us. Paul thought, I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And I think, brethren, if, we, if we're thinking like Paul, then our mind is not on this world. Our mind is on the world when Christ comes. And so his whole focus is on meeting Christ when he returns. When we, what we saw in Isaiah was their whole focus was going down to Egypt and participating in Egyptian society. That's this present world. So this present world is Egypt. The future world is Christ. Paul is completely focused on Christ's world. He says, so so I fought a good fight. I fight. I finished my course. I've kept the the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, I'm not afraid of his judgment. I'm not afraid of him as a judge. Why? Because he's a righteous judge. He shall give me that crown at that day. And not to me only but to all them also that love his appearing. And the book of Revelation is about his appearing. If we love his appearing, we love the book of Revelation. If we're afraid of his appearing, we're afraid of the book of Revelation. Do your diligence to come to me, to come shortly unto me. Notice verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Egypt or Christ, he chose Egypt. He chose the smooth things. He chose the fables. And is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So again, he's useful for the ministry. I think we have this view that we're the people of God, So therefore, God needs to do as we say. Pray for me, I want this. Pray for me, I want this. God must be useful to us. Why? Because we're the people of God. I think we've got that mixed up. We need to be useful to God. So so pray for me so that I might be well, so that I can be useful to God. That's the context. The body of Christ does the work of Christ. And Christ is always working. So we need the body to be healthy to do the work of Christ. 
So Mark is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. So then drop down to verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. So when we take this view that we must do God's will, we must preach God's truth, what I'm getting from this passage is it's going to be a fight. And not everybody's going to be in agreement. And even people in the body might do us much evil. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also? So this is clearly somebody in the body. And Paul is telling Timothy, look, this guy really set me back. You be careful. As you do your ministry, watch this guy. For he has greatly withstood our words. Greatly withstood our words. Again, we go back to Isaiah, who said, Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. We we don't want his words. We want smooth things. So we need to be prepared, brethren, as we preach the prophetic word for opposition, both without and within. At my first answer, my first defense, no man stood with me. I'm preaching the word of God. I'm being accused. I'm defending myself with the word of God, and nobody stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. I am future-oriented. I'm living at the return of Christ. They're present tense. They're living in Egypt, and their strength is Pharaoh. And they don't understand what they're participating in, but I pray when God returns, which is where my focus is, that he will not lay this to their charge, because they will arise to shame and everlasting contempt. Notwithstanding the fact that everybody forsook me, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known. So Paul wanted the preaching to be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. So he was turning many to righteousness. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So fearless. And God delivers us because we're useful. And I think that's really what the message that I want to give, brethren. And he says here, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we read these prophecies, and as we get into them over the months ahead, Paul says here, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. If we are to the safest place, as we read these scriptures, these prophecies, our safety is in our usefulness. The more useful we are, the safer we are. God needs this word preached. If we know the word and we preach the word, we are useful. And look at, well, we'll come to it in a second, but you'll see in Acts where we we see that usefulness. But just quickly go back to chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. In verse 7 he says, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. If we have the spirit of fear, it does not come from God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. What has he given us? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what we have. We have a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because we have that, because we have a spirit of power, and a true love for God, a true love for God's people, a true love for the world, and a sound mind, what then? Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. The testimony of our Lord is the spirit of prophecy. So because we have the 
spirit of power, the spirit of love, and a sound mind, we are not ashamed of prophecy. We're not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So Paul has been put in prison for this. And, and brethren, you know, you're looking at, I'm looking at Bill C-51, which is now in, 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 passed in Canada or being debated. This is a bill that is anti, against terrorism, so it's to stop terrorism. And their approach to stopping terrorism is, let's pass a law that says if anybody says anything to upset the terrorists, we'll arrest them. So I, I might say, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. And that might upset a devout Muslim, so therefore I should be arrested. I mean, that's where we're going, where truth becomes offensive, even if it's spoken in love. So he says to Timothy, do not be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Support me, but be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So there are afflictions of the gospel, and we need to be partakers in those afflictions. Let's go to Acts 5. As we wrap up here, Acts 5. Just to show you again, the safest place for us is being useful and having the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Acts 5, verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. So these are very powerful people, the high priest and the sect of the Sadducees. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So they were protected and they were released because they were useful. If they were useless to God, he's not going to send an angel. We can pray all we want. You know, oh God, I'm a Christian, get me out of here. Why? What's your value? What are you going to do when you're released? Well, when I'm released, I'm going to go down to Egypt, I'm going to go down to Pharaoh, and I'm going to do more of what he asks. Well, that's not useful to me. I need people who will turn people from wickedness to righteousness. And that's what these apostles were doing. So the angel of the Lord, verse 19, came by night and opened the prison doors. And brought, so they were filled with indignation. They were, their lives were at risk. And an angel of the Lord was with them and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning. These are useful people. They're serious. They didn't sleep in. You were arrested at the temple. We, I've released you. Go back to the temple. And they're up early in the morning back at the temple. And they taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told them, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Verse 24. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. So their concern now, where is this going? You know, clearly there's something happening here that we don't have control over. Verse 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are actually standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're useful to God. And when you're useful to God, God will protect us. Verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned, 
And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Didn't we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? So we're going to be commanded not to prophesy, to instead to speak smooth things. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You've been busy. You've been useful. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that has to be our answer. We have to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Verse 32, and we are his witnesses of these things. Witnesses to the point of martyrdom. And so is also the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. So if we obey God, he has given us the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit within us witnesses these things. And so we are witnesses. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to find out how they should repent. No, to slay them. This this is the opposition within which God's word must be preached. And this is the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind that we must preach within. Let's conclude, brethren, in 1 Peter 3. I really do believe, brethren, that we need to be all over the book of Daniel. We need to be all over the book of Revelation. And understanding the rest of scriptures within the frameworks that Daniel and Revelation give to us. A lot of the content of these books is not pleasant. But that's the world we live in. What is pleasant and what is cause for great rejoicing is these books demonstrate the supremacy of Jesus Christ and that everything is happening according to his will. So we, rather than being discouraged, and, and I, guess, I guess I will say this, brace yourselves for the news. You know, Brother Gord, you've been around for a few decades. You've seen a lot. What the scriptures are telling us is you are still going to be surprised. Just when you think you've seen everything, you're going to see depravity that is unimaginable. So we need to brace ourselves for the news. You know, God, in some scriptures, God says, you know, can a man give labor? Can a man give birth? No. Well, why do I see every man holding his abdomen like he's giving birth? In another place, he says, men's hearts are failing them. Men are having heart attacks all over. Because of the terror that they'll be beholding. So this is the world we're going into. This is the future we're going into. As it unfolds, there should be a calmness. There should be a quietness. There should be a confidence among the people of God. Because as these things unfold, we should be saying, this is that. We're right on schedule. God is, God is in control. And this is happening according to his will. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. We're heading into some difficult times. Let's not be fighting each other. Let it never be said that we we're in opposition. We were in some kind of brawl with a, with a brother or a sister. No, 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 no. Let's be pitiful. Let's have compassion. Let's love as brethren. Let's be courteous. One of our core values. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. On the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you are there unto called, that you should inherit a blessing. 
for he that would love life and see good days. So despite what we have to get through, despite this crazy world that we live in and, and the uncertainty and unpredictability of it, he that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Turn to righteousness. Turn away from evil. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And this is our confidence, brethren. This is our confidence. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe he sits on his throne beside God the Father. And his eyes are over us. And his ears are open to our prayers. This is encouraging. That no matter what we face, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he sees us and he hears us. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. It might not seem like it. It might seem like Pharaoh has the upper hand. It might seem like the armies have the upper hand. But if we know the prophecies, when it appears like they have the upper hand, we'll be able to say, this is that which was spoken of by the prophets. So we're not surprised that you have the upper hand. That's what it says in the prophecy. But we do know that even though you have the upper hand, the face of the Lord is against you. And that's why the scripture in in Revelation says, this is the patience of the saints. Because when we understand Revelation, we understand it's the wrath of Satan, then the wrath of God. But the wrath of Satan comes first. So the patience of the saints is to get through the wrath of Satan to get to the wrath of God. And then the return of uh, the establishment of his kingdom. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which is good. So verse 13. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Um, Maybe it's the guy standing in front of me with the sword in his hand. That's who can harm me. Maybe it's the police officer with the gun drawn saying I'm under arrest. That's who can harm me. But Christ says, do not fear those who can kill the body. But after they've done that, there's nothing else they can do. Fear him who can kill the body, and after he's killed the body, can kill the soul as well. Who is he that will harm you? Really, it's saying, who is he that can permanently harm you? The scriptures say that the saints will be harmed. And when we're harmed, we need to say, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Daniel. But who is he that can harm you permanently? If you be followers of that which is good. Contrary, but, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And that's again why the blessing is pronounced if we read and understand and keep the book of Revelation. We're blessed. And do not be afraid of their terror. So if we understand the prophecies, we're not fearful. We, I, I guess if we understand one prophecy by itself, it sounds frightening. But if we have the framework of prophecy... And we understand how it all fits together. We don't have to be afraid. Do not be afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled. We shouldn't be troubled. The world is going to be troubled. People who reject this word are going to be troubled. Isaiah says they're going to have confusion. But we should not be troubled. Instead, verse 15, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Every five minutes, every five minutes, so in the time that I've been speaking to you, every five minutes, a Christian is being killed, is being tortured, is being beheaded in the Middle East. Anybody who names Christ as Lord is being severely tormented. They're being expunged out of the Middle East. We're not hearing about it in the news. Silence. We don't even know that it's happening. But what's happening there is coming here. And the real target is not people who name Christ. 
It's people who name Christ and have the word of God. They're the ones Satan is really after. But what should, and, and you know, while they're being killed, they're praying. As they're being beheaded, they're praising Jesus Christ. And they don't have the understanding that we have. And what's happening there is going to be worldwide. In the end time, there's a hunt for the saints. Do not be afraid of their terror. And do not be troubled. Have this, take this long-term view. See the return of Christ. And everything that leads up to it. And say, oh, this is that. But we rejoice in the crown that we will all receive upon his return. So sanctify the Lord in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So the oppressor may be asking us, why are you so joyful? Don't you realize what I'm about to do? Or a fellow prisoner who's terrified could be asking, why are you so calm? And the scripture says that at the end time, there will be some who are turning many to righteousness. So brethren, let's study the word of God. Let's study it with confidence. Let's study it with a, a, a mind that has a spirit of power and of love and that sound. And let's take this prophetic word to the world and turn many to righteousness. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org. Thank you.